0: Welcome back to Cowboy State Podcast. We got Curtis here and Brian. Kyle's out this week still, kind of recovering from his trip to Europe. So, Brian, tough loss against Texas Tech last week. What are your kind of takeaways from that game? Um, Obviously, did not come out like we predicted uh, on our last podcast. Kind of a tough one to take in. I mean, I was there. Saw in person, actually, Brian. I was I was right next to you. It was just a, a tough, tough game to watch. Really, one of the worst performances uh, for Oklahoma State football that I've seen. Uh, what are your What is your takeaway from that game?
1: Well, first of all, I gotta say I didn't predict it completely wrong. I had the I had the under, and I did hit on that. So that that is one thing that you got to give me at least some credit for. But no, looking back at it, um, I don't I don't know really where to start. You could kind of. Pick and choose everywhere you want to go, whether that's the offensive line. Um, I think they, you know, they showed they showed some glimpses where they, you know, had pretty big holes for Justice to run up field and, and had some pretty large gains. But as an overall um, performance, I, I wouldn't grade them out very high. And then I think the biggest takeaway is quarterback. We still don't know what we're going to get game in and game out. Some people would argue that we do know what we're going to get. Um, I still think it's kind of unknown. He's he's made a lot of plays in the first few games, and then, you know, he just hasn't hit very many deep balls. So if you're going to take anything away that you, you you may say that you know is, I would say, his deep ball. He, he's not going to be as accurate as we would like him to be. But he still hits people, you know, across the seam and uh, across the middle and, and coming off of slants. Um. But he had a horrid second half, and that can't go unnoticed. It was awful, four of fourteen. Um, I think it was under a hundred yards passing. Um, I, I know it was under a hundred yards passing to say a half. And you know, he he also threw his only interception in the second half. So he did take care of the ball fairly well towards you know the last five seven minutes of the game. But um, you know, you take care of the ball all you want all game, but you still got to make plays. And I think part of it was game plan, and part of it was just, you know, Texas Tech came out and put the spanking on us.
0: Yeah, I mean they really did. I think we scored at the 10:40 mark in the second quarter, and and, and really didn't score uh, the rest of the game. So That's a lot of a lot of minutes of football with with no no scores um, in Stillwater. Really tough game, an odd game. You know, you still kind of thought the system was in place. Uh, just a, just an interesting you know frustrating game really as a fan um, but you know Corn- Cornelius struggled mightily I don't know why we didn't hand the ball off more just kind of looking back and some of the calls that the coaches made. Um, you know Yersich and, and gundy obviously too involved in the game planning uh, was not really thrilled with it. I think that we ran a lot of the same plays we ran uh, last year when we had Mason in Washington and I just don't think we have that personnel. Um, so I'd like to see the, uh, you know, the offensive game plan change up a little bit, you know, geared to more of the strengths of Cornelius and some of the receivers we have who, who are going to be able to work the middle of the field more. Um, uh, but they just seemed like it was either, uh, you know, streak play, uh, down the sidelines. Um, they went back and kind of watched the tape and, you know, over 50% of our, uh, pass plays went down the sidelines more than 15 yards. So, oh. you,
1: Oh yeah, I mean, you look at the game plan, and and if you've been a Uresch hater all along, it just it just fueled the fire. I mean, it was it was that bad. And I'm yep. a Yersage, I've been a Yersage, uh supporter for a couple of years now. I was kind of unsure um, after his first two years, but I, I kind of jumped on board with with what he's been able to do and produce at Oklahoma State. And on Saturday, that was by far the worst game I have seen him him play call. Uh, in his tenure, and I, I'm not—that's, you know, that's taking it lightly on him. It was—it was pretty bad. I mean, we ran. I don't think he knows what to do with this offense. He ran Cornelius—I don't know—eight, nine, ten times last game, maybe more. Um, and then he had one run for ten plus yards uh, against Tech, and he didn't go back to it. And you know, you're averaging. Uh, close to nine yards of carry with Justice Hill on the ground, and he gets twelve touches. Uh, I don't know. It's it's mind-boggling.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, I've had I'm hit and miss on on your pitch. I think he can be good. I think that he's a little set in his ways where if he comes in with a certain game plan, and you know it doesn't work. I, I really don't ever see a ton of adjustment from him. Um, so even in this game, like that first half, it was kind of fool's gold that we had something going. Didn't really change much coming into the second half, and you know, obviously, only had 91 yards of offense there in the second half, which is very abysmal. Um, you know, Justice Hill only got the ball carrying it 12 times. Um, that's got to change. I mean, this is not Missouri State anymore. We need to get Justice the ball, you know, um, at least 20 plus times in a Big 12 game like this, especially against a Tech team that. Has shown to have breakdowns in tackling. So I mean, yeah, they stuffed us a few times, but it seemed like every second or third carry, Justice would break one. So I don't and it's know why we ju-
1: It's not just Justice. I mean, you combine Justice, Chuba, and JD King, and they combined for under 20 touches, and you ran 62 plays. What the heck is going on?
0: I mean, how does that happen? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. It's it's a huge head scratcher. Uh, you know, across the OSU fan base. It's been a long time since we've had this type of uh, anemic offense. You know, I think that 2014 obviously comes to mind, although I tried to block it out. Um, but, I mean, that we had a lot of issues just from a, a talent perspective in 2014 and injuries. Like, we don't have that right now. Um, you know, we have pretty much a loaded team to an extent. Like, we've got the guys that we want out there, uh, according to the coaches, at least. So, I, it's a tough one to kind of explain what happened on Saturday. Yeah, it, I don't
1: – like I said, like you said, we were up in the stands and we kind of were just waiting for that turning point throughout the game. We kind of kept like, all right, you know, started to become uneasy about this. You know, we got down by seven uh, right before halftime, and I thought, well, I mean – this is this is a good time for this team to face some adversity against an opponent like Texas Tech. I, I feel confident we'll we'll make some adjustments and come back out and and take care of business. And then, you know, next thing you know, they get the ball, they drive it down, they score. Um, then it becomes a whole different ball game. Um, then I'm not so comfortable. And you know, you just kind of kept waiting for that turning point, whether that be we finally got a stop, down fourteen, and they punt us the ball, and that was the time that, you know, we got out of our seats to go take a restroom break and, and we come back and Texas Tech has the ball and, and it you know, apparently we we fumbled the punt or, or turned it over somehow and we're just like, you know, this is just not our night. And it, it just it just never there's just never that turning point where, you know, in the Mason Rudolph era we've had games where we were down fourteen points. Iowa State uh, twenty, um, sixteen, at home, come back and win that game, Texas Tech. Uh, I don't know if you're down against Tech. we were in a close game, and you know, come back and turn that game around, and it just didn't happen on Saturday.
0: No, not at all. I mean, the only games that kind of you know resemble this since twenty eleven. Um, obviously, 2014, we just had a couple abysmal games where we got blew out of the water by, like, TCU. But really, that Texas game at home, like, we it was always lingering. We had a chance in 2014 against Texas um, and then just, just could not get anything going on offense. But they never really pulled away too much until the very end. And then, uh, you know, 2015 Bedlam, honestly, kind of reminds me of this game. Like, it was, like, we did just enough to, like, kind of stay close but by the end of the game, they broke away several big plays, and obviously those were both you know injury-ridden teams, um, you know playing you know second-string QBs, et cetera. That this game, I you just don't have that excuse. So you know, there's nothing you can point to and say, "Oh, well, you know, it's because our you know QB went down, or you know we don't have an offensive line." It's we've got you know guys pretty much have returned from last season. Yeah, we don't have Mason in Washington, but we've got an offensive line. We've got Justice Hill and. We we can only put up 17 points, so pretty disappointing performance. Um, just a real head scratcher, like I said, for this team. I wonder if it's a little bit of a fluke, you know, if if they're you know played this game ten times, if we scored 17 every game, or if this was kind of just an anomaly. So that's kind of uh kind of what I'm interested in, because after that Boise State game, I think you know the whole OSU fan base was uh, geared up and i thinking we might be a little bit, you know, more than just a rebuilding year, but kind of uh, you know, taking a step back in, in my mind. Um definitely looks like a, a tough rebuilding year at this point.
1: We're pretty evenly matched after watching that game in my in my opinion. I mean, they they came into town and, and took it to us and but at the end of the day, I like I like it that those two teams and, and I don't see what we have that they don't. And that's, that's kind of a tough reality of where we're at right now. I, I think that they are very equipped about like we are, um, at every position. The receivers are big. They're athletic. They have a quarterback that's better than ours and their offensive line created more holes. I, I yeah. don't know. I mean, I don't, and their defense, you know, we didn't have our best game offensively, but they definitely played a role in that. I mean, I can't sit here and it's, it's, Kind of weird to be saying that Texas Tech is on par with where we are this year, but they look—they looked the part.
0: Yeah, yeah, they looked that part. You know, at least that game for sure. And, and there were a couple, you know, just missed opportunities. While we never really seemed to turn it around, there was just a lot of moments where you thought. Uh, I mean, I go back to like AJ Green's, you know, interception in the back of the end zone, which was a, a, a probably the the one of the best plays in the game for OSU and for not very many great plays in the game, but it was a great interception. I thought then, when we got the ball back, we were going to march it down and, um, you know, cut it, I think, within, like, three points at that point. Um, and then later in the game, we set up a, a field goal, and that was also going to cut it to seven. I believe they were up ten. Um, and we missed the field goal. So, you know, that plus... Ah, uh,
1: yeah, if you were down 14, it would have cut it to, I think, 11. 11. But yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. I mean... It's just like missed opportunity after missed opportunity. There was really no comeback at all. Like you scored, you know, zero points with ninety-one yards of offense, no. uh, and, and, and Texas Tech pretty much controlled the the clock um, throughout the whole game, not just in the second half. So it was really hard to do much. I think they had the ball over forty-one minutes. Yeah, um, that was
1: something I was going to talk about. They, you know, normally when we play Texas Tech, anybody that plays Texas Tech, their drives consist of like two plays five plays, four plays, you know, seven plays at a max. And against us, they had drives that were going three minutes, four minutes, you know. And, and, you know, playing in the ACC, you're like, oh, that's a pretty quick drive. But in the Big 12 and playing Texas Tech, their scoring drives rarely go over, like, two minutes, two and a half minutes. They're normally quick strikes. And I noticed that I think that's going to help them down the road uh, for Texas Tech. If they can – if they can kind of chip away instead of relying on that big play ability, Mm -hmm. um, they're going to, that's going to pay dividends for them down the road. I think they're going to, you know, um, maybe bring a little more dog to the fight this year.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think just, I mean, they think they ran over um, 90 plays. Uh, Yeah. 46 rush attempts for over 200 yards. I mean, Gashed. Not only is that bad defense, but yeah, we were just getting gashed all night long, which was a little surprising. You know, I thought our D line was the strength of the defense. Um, did pretty well against Boise, who had a solid running attack—not not a great one by any means, but it just changed pretty quickly. I don't know if we were, you know, you know, not sound gap alignment or something like that on D, or just over pursuing. Uh, maybe after that Boise State game, but you know, they just seemed to get four or five yards of pop about every time. So. Really a tough day after really both sides of the ball and special teams. I, I'd give kind of, you know, uh, C or D across the board at best for all the units.
1: Yeah, I, I can't think of a position group besides Justice that would get a B. Um, yep. I just don't see it. And now, now I know what it feels like to be Pittsburgh from last year. That was, I mean, you just couldn't didn't have an answer for anything. That's what it felt like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It it was weird, though, because it didn't, I mean, it was kind of back and forth early on. It really didn't seem like we were outmatched by any means. Like you said, we went the halftime down, but it really felt like we'd just come out and, you know, rush it off and, uh, you know, kind of take care of business. But it was really that second half that was just long and, and really had nothing going our way. Um, yeah. Fans were totally out of it. Really, I, I mean, same, I it was just a very way. quiet and, and weird atmosphere.
1: I, I feel the same way. It's, you know, the first half, I forget that we even played the first half. <laughs> uh, all I think about is the second half and how it just felt like you we were never, never into the game. Um, the fans weren't really into it. We tried a few times on third down to get into the game and. You know our defense just let us down, and I, I think you know you get into that a little bit in the second half. I think we were playing hurt guys too. I think Bundage he was limping around, and I, I heard friends tell me that you know on TV they were talking about he's playing on one leg. It's like, I, I mean,
0: yeah. do we not have,
1: do we not have any more depth than that? I know he's one of our you know he's what I think is our our best defensive player, most aggressive player, but I don't care a healthy person out there is better than one person on one leg – or, you know, our best player on one leg.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I wonder if the coaches just didn't recognize it or, or, or if he just, you know, and they need to, to stay hired. out there. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It was pretty obvious. <laughs> I mean, I could see it from the stands. and uh, But, yeah, I mean, a lot of injuries, so kind of questionable going into the next week. I think Bundage was banged up. Uh, you know, Daniels, I think, has a, a broken hand or wrist of some kind, going to be out three to four weeks. Um, so, and Brailford, I think, might have got hurt a little bit as well. They should play, so should Bondage. Uh, but I think Daniels might be out for a bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, let's kind of look into the future. I mean... Yeah, what the- a nightmare. <laughs> oh, what the injuries you're saying?
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, just, yeah, just keep, they just keep piling on from Saturday. And, and you know, you want to keep talking about some more? Do you want to get into the McCleskey transfer?
0: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. But, I mean, really, the, I mean, we can keep going on about the bad news for, for OC football, but but really, the players after the game. I did want to say this that like the players after the game had a pretty uh, positive response. I listened to an interview with you know Justice Hill, and um, we heard from you know Gundy. Obviously, is probably not as positive as players, but it really seemed a lot of the players, AJ Green, Justice Hill, Dylan Stoner, all had pretty positive. You know, response is a you know post game. Um, you know, as as much as they could be in that situation, they definitely seem dumbed out about it. But you know, ready to turn the corner and not make this you know what they're going to be known for this season. So I, I'm interested to see how they respond. Uh, but yeah, that following day we got some bad news um, on McCluskey uh, announcing his transfer, which was interesting, and then Gundy's response to that as well. Um, you know, McCleskey's going to redshirt this year and transfer and play one year elsewhere. Gundy kind of, you know, initially saying that basically McCleskey, you know, didn't feel like he was getting enough touches. Um, but then also some news coming out later on this week, I believe Wednesday or Thursday, that he had supposedly told our, you know, sports media director that, you know, no no questions to the players about McCleskey's transfer. So kind of putting the <laughs> you know, hushing our, hushing the, uh, the the media guys from asking any questions on that topic. So kind of interesting. There was a lot of pushback on that. Brian, what's your kind of thoughts on both McCluskey, you know, transferring and then kind of the Gundy response?
1: Well, I got a lot to say about the media, so we'll start with McCluskey and, 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 t- and touch on that. And, you know, at first when I, when I got the news, I thought, well, you know, good riddance, like thanks for being a part of Oklahoma State football. And, um, you know, we, you know, I enjoyed watching you play as an athlete. Uh, you were, you know, I thought you were a very viable option, uh, every year that you were here and, you know, you were pretty, Kleski was a pretty big contributor to the, to our receiving core, uh, over the last few years. He, I think he surpassed over 500 yards every year, freshman, I know he did a sophomore and junior year, but freshman year, I'm pretty sure he, he also had over 500 yards, um, and, and I think he I think he enjoyed being in Stillwater, but I think this year um, maybe there was maybe there's other things going on that we don't know about but um, obviously he felt like it was time for a change. I think he realized he wasn't going to be the premier guy anymore. I think Tylen Wall kind of um, took the opportunity and ran with it and he, he's kind of shown to be that number one guy and you know I can't blame McCleskey I think. Wherever he does go, he will be successful. Um, and I think he wants the chance to, to showcase what he has to potentially be maybe an NFL guy one day. Um, you know, there's there are dime a dozen guys like him, but at the same time, uh, he's wanting to compete for it. So I can't blame a kid for, for wanting to get out there and do that. As, as for Gundy, you know, the media can do whatever they want, They they don't need permission to. To post things, they can they can post things on Hearsay and write stories on Hearsay and all that. And what Gundy was doing, in my opinion, was, I mean, he found out this news Monday-ish, probably. Maybe Sunday night, right? But I'm thinking he probably found out Monday. And he probably didn't have time to address his team and say, hey, you know, if this comes up, there's a lot more going on this week than just a player leaving the team, right? And so I, you know, I don't mind him doing what he did. I think the media threw a hissy fit. And, you know, I I heard Jim Traber going off on the radio on Tuesday and saying that, you know, this is this is horrible. Mike Gundy doesn't um, promote OSU very well. He should be on the radio. He's not cordially doesn't come talk to the local media, blah, blah, blah. And um, with a program like Oklahoma State, not being Oklahoma, you need all the attention you can get. Well, guess what? You're giving it to him. So in my opinion, like he's doing you're kind of his puppet at this point. And uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not the best look, but I don't think he really cares. And I don't think it really has an impact on Oklahoma State football, to be honest. Um,
0: yeah, that, that's think- just my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Brian, as well. Just, you know, the media pushback, which is kind of like the the news ended up being really less about Oklahoma State and more about how the media was up in arms about not getting access. Uh, And that that was the story. I mean, I read a whole article from some journalist or aspiring journalist from some Big 12. I forget who, if I could remember the name, but basically it was a whole article about – how they couldn't get access to OSU um, sports very easily. And even when they I did, they were, they were restricted um, to not ask about McCleskey in this situation. And it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, it is a privilege to, to get access. I mean, they only give it to certain people. Every organization does that. Every sports team does that. You have to get approval. They're not going to let everyone in uh, to ask questions and, and, and talk to their players. And these players, I mean, at the end of the day, the vast majority of them are, you know, not going to go on to professional athletics. They shouldn't have to be trained on how to deal with, you know, the press. Um, yeah, it's good coaching to do that to some extent. I know a lot of people were saying, well, why doesn't Gunny just say no comment? But at that point, what's the difference of saying, there's no know, difference. hey, don't ask this question or have your players just say no comment? Yeah, there's no difference. Right. At the end of the day, there's no storyline, right? The only storyline that they get when Gunny says don't ask the question is, now they can write, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now they can write articles right. and articles about how they didn't get access. So it's just a weird deal. Uh, kinda goes back even to the I'm a man, I'm forty, you know, a saga between the media and Gundy. And I think that honestly had a lot to do with it, kinda going back in history.
1: And if you're in the media and you want to know the answer, don't be a sissy. Ask the question. <laughs> that's how I feel.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're not you're gonna get the uh, access revoked, maybe, but maybe you won't. But there's also all kinds of sources that people can get around, the, uh, you know, around things, you know, figure out Gunny's, you know, or uh, McCluskey's best friend or McCluskey's family member. I mean, there's other ways to get that information. Show some creativity as a journalist. I yeah. think that's kind of ridiculous that <laughs> they they literally spend the whole week talking about a non news story as the story about not getting access when they can easily get the same information in other avenues. He's not a player. He's not a current player anymore. He's not part of the university, football team at least. So, I mean, just kind of move on. You know, we don't need to comment on him anymore. But I do wish him the best. Like, kind of go back to McCluskey. I think he had, you know, was six in receptions. He was well on his way to kind of be fourth in receptions, I believe. So he he definitely was a contributor. Uh, You know, it, it hurts to lose him. Uh, I thought he, you know, he obviously wasn't going to be our top receiver this year with you know Wallace and even Tyrone probably being the one and two. But I thought he could be our you know go-to guy across the middle. Uh, I don't, I don't blame him though. You know, you got to do what's best for you at the end of the day. But it's just kind of time to move on. I hope guys like you know Stoner and uh, Landon Wolf uh, step up.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think Landon Wolf is going to get his opportunity. I know he hasn't played much this year, but I think. This is, uh, he, you know, he's kind of a big guy, but I still think it just just opens up more space to get in the game, um, overall, and I, I think he's gonna get his opportunity. And just last thing on the media, um, I mean, w- what do you expect Gundy to do, honestly? You think they're, they're college kids, they're gonna say dumb stuff, and it's, he's a horrible guy for trying to protect his team and say, you know, I don't want you asking this question because, I mean, he's doing it for a reason, and it's a good reason, and the media is turning this into some sort of, like, he's a horrible bully and does this and that saga, and it's just, I don't know, it's a load of, it's just it's just a bad deal.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's just a bad deal, and it's like Gundy didn't even say this directly to anyone in the media. He I communicated know. this to his the person whose job it is to communicate to the, to the media on what access they have and what access they don't have. So, I mean, it's a pretty cordial thing, in my opinion. Um, you can either follow along or not, like you said. You can always ask the question, play your cards, uh, roll the dice a little bit. But the fact of the matter is these are college students. They, they're the representatives of the university football team. They're not professional athletes that you know are paid to be available to, to the press.
1: Exactly, and
0: yeah, just yeah. I know Brian, Brian's pretty heated up right now, so we'll uh, <laughs> we'll move on. So we do have a new segment that we're going to try to do, uh, you know, going forward. But tweet of the week, um, Brian. You know, pick out a tweet that you know OSU related or OSU sports related that you thought was uh, either entertaining or uh, just kind of a good, good, uh, good thing to kind of share.
1: Well, you were going to go with Stoner, so I'll let you share that one first.
0: Yeah, so really I think it, I think he tweeted it either the next day or a few hours after the McCluskey transfer. So I think it was kind of in response to that. I thought it was pretty solid. But it's it's a Martin Luther King Jr. quote with a with a picture of a lion kind of beaten up, but not but kind of staring you down. It's a pretty cool picture. But it says if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't r- walk, then crawl, but whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. So, kind of a response to both the tech game um and you know the McCluskey transfer as well probably so kind of yeah we got yeah we got hit yeah it, it doesn't look good right now but we're gonna keep on moving forward so I like that quote uh, I think Dylan's a a good player obviously and kind of excited to see how he steps out with uh with McCluskey gun
1: yeah I th- I think so I think it was kind of a respectful thing to do as well I don't think there was any like
0: ill intention there um yeah.
1: But but my tweet of the week uh, goes to um, Brad Lundblade, uh, former Oklahoma State offensive lineman. There was a – I guess it's kind of a sub – well, not really a sub-tweet. Excuse my uh, generational um, deficiencies when it comes to to Twitter. But um, Mark Cooper uh, initially started this thread with – it said, with McCluskey gone and Trayson Walls hurt, OK State is thin at inside receiver – and then there's Dylan Stoner who missed second half Saturday with an injury, and Landon Wolf, so on and so on. I, I'm not gonna read the rest of the tweet, but OK State Probst said, "Walk on?" Question mark starter. That's what we do now. And uh, Brad Lumblade responded with, "You're right. Walk ons never, never turn out to be productive players because he was, you know, he a former walk on, and I just find that, you know, you know, be patient. At the same time, like, yeah, we're here to win football games, so." Um, it is important, but you know there's there's a lot of negativity going around right now, and you got a four, you got three in one football club that's still playing for a lot. So, um, you know, I appreciate Brad, you know, kind of stepping up and um, supporting a former uh, teammate in Taylor
0: Cornelius. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. I mean, we, we've had so many walk ons be successful. I mean, Brandon Whedon was a walk on once. Colton uh, so Shelf
1: was a walk-on at one point,
0: correct? Uh, I think actually I think he was a scholarship player, but the whole time, the whole time. But Colton Shelf, his brother, was a walk-on who probably caught the most important pass in you know okay. OSU football history, right. uh, you know, against the uh, against Stanford. So, I mean, we've had plenty of walk-ons other universities as well have had some really good walk on so we've got a good walk on program so it's kind of a I, I like the shot though <laughs> Brad Brad uh, kind of spouting back to the the Twitter okay state prob so yeah um, pretty cool stuff I really hope that you know this the team turns it around but we'll, we'll dive into you know K. Um, a little bit later in the podcast, so around the league, top three games or top four games outside of OSU, uh, we'll kind of start it off with the big one, uh, West Virginia Tech, especially kind of of interest just with our, you know, you know, loss last week against Texas Tech, what are your kind of thoughts going into that, Brian?
1: Um, I'm going to go ahead and go all in on the recency bias and take the Red Raiders. Uh, I think think Bowman's the real deal. I don't think that he had stiff competition last week in Oklahoma State if I'm being frank I, I don't think we are going to be the best competition he sees all year in the Big 12 but I do think that uh, he's the real deal and they're catching West Virginia um, I think maybe sleeping on this game a little bit they came off a big win uh, against Kansas State and, and routed them 35 to 6 I believe but they're going to Lubbock for an 11 a.m. kickoff and sometimes that's Sometimes that's a that's a bad thing. They're coming from, you know, the uh not necessarily the East Coast, but kind of off the East Coast and coming into Lubbock for an early eleven o'clock kickoff, and I, I think that's that spells trouble for for West Virginia and Dana Holgerson. Dana Holgerson has always had this monkey on his back. He can't can't get over it, and you know I, I think that's going to continue for him. However, I would say on the flip side, um. You know, 11 a.m. kick in Lubbock may not always be the best thing for the fans because they're out the night before having a good time and probably forget about a football game. Uh, but maybe not this year because I think this year they actually have a football team.
0: Yeah, I think I think the Tech fans will be fired up, you know, after that big win uh, against us, obviously. I think that they kind of see this as their, their year with Kingsbury to kind of turn around. So I, I bet they're fired up and... Up the tailgates going early um, down there in Lubbock. But I, I think West Virginia just shows a little bit more maturity um, this year, um, and I think that Greer wants to show out, and he knows that this is kind of his moment. I do think it will be close. I think Texas Tech will play a, a really good game and, and look pretty, pretty similar as they did against us. I just think it will be more of a back-and-forth scoring contest. I think West Virginia probably goes on to win – like a 49-42 uh, type game and, and a tight one. Um, but I think be, it'll be a, be a really good game, honestly, to watch. Be
1: honest with me. Be honest with me. What, what game are you going to watch more on Saturday? The, the Texas Tech-West uh, Virginia game or the, the OSU-Kansas game?
0: Oh, man. I'll probably watch in the first half uh, OSU-Kansas 'Cause I'm I I'm am a little nervous. Um, I, I will as we'll, well. we'll we'll dive that into a little bit more. But if we get up or something like that, um, or it's just a pretty boring game, which those you know, K U games can tend to be, I might I might find myself flipping it over to uh to that Tech Tech West West Virginia game. Should be a good one.
1: Yeah, we could could finish up the OSU game on a on a replay later that afternoon or something.
0: Yeah, that's but. what I'm thinking as well. <laughs> so so kind of moving on here. Uh, so just kind of recap that one. Brian, you got Tech. I got West Virginia. OU Baylor is the next one. Um, OU kind of coming off a you know pretty close game uh, went to, went into overtime against Army. Um, kind of a surprise there. Then Baylor, who you know really went into the game last week against KU. Um, and really a lot of people thought that might be a pretty tight game, but Baylor just kind of took care of business. So who you got in that one, Brian? It's, it's in Norman.
1: Uh, I got the Sooners doubling up the, the Bears this weekend. I do think that um, OU's offense is going to come out a little pissed off. They, frankly, I mean, they didn't have the ball very much on Saturday, and, and that's got to be frustrating. And I think they're going to try to give the fans a show. I mean, I think they had the ball 12 minutes uh against army and that is you know that's got to be so discouraging so they're going to come out they're either going to come out rusty or they're going to come out firing on all cylinders and take it out on baylor so i'm going to take the latter and say they they come out firing and and i got them winning i do think the defense is going to be maybe a little maybe a little worn from last week against army just having to to play that you know gritty defense against a team that runs the ball over and over and over again in the triple option. So I'm going to take uh, OU 56, Baylor 28 in that game. Um, but I think it might be a little closer at halftime than that. I think OU pulls away and figures it out down the stretch.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm mostly in the same line thinking as you. Um, I do think OU wins by you know two touchdowns or three touchdowns, but – um, you know, Baylor's not going to be able to play keep-away like Army did. Uh, Army was able to, you know, run the ball methodically, run down the clock, uh, and essentially play keep-away for, for much of that game. I, I didn't watch it. Um, it was on pay-per-view, so you, I don't, I saw a few highlights, but you could look at the stats and just see how many times they ran <laughs> ran the ball uh, and the time of possession, obviously, like you mentioned. So I, I don't think Baylor's going to be able to do that, obviously. I think OU will, in turn, get the ball much more often and have a lot more chances to go down and score, and I think they'll capitalize. So I see a, uh, I see like a 52-24 type game, um, and I don't even know if Baylor will, will score 24. That, that, that'd that be pretty high scoring for them because they've not really put up a ton of points this year. I think against UTSA they only scored like 35 or 37 or something like that. So um, I do think they'll score some, but it'll probably be a you know, 52-24 type game.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. Um next we have uh, Texas and Kansas State,
0: correct? Yep. So I think my just my thoughts quickly, you know, Kansas State has looked pretty anemic on offense. I think their QB, I don't think he ended up announcing he transferred, did he? Uh Scatter Thompson. He was he was uh, thinking about it. There was rumors. I don't know if he ever did. Uh, but they they have their backup QB now as their starter at Kansas State, and Texas just kind of looks like they're hitting, uh, you know, they're starting to figure things out a little bit. I won't say that they're really surging um, at this point. They haven't really done a ton. They've, they're bad. <laughs> yeah, I won't go quite that far, um, especially with the loss to Maryland early this year. But I do think that they're kind of figuring some things out, um, at least at this point in time. And I think the QB is kind of starting to be a little more consistent. So, I think Texas wins, kind of in a you know thirty-five to thirteen type game.
1: Yeah, I think that's how it should probably play out. But what time is that game, and is that in Manhattan?
0: Uh, Texas Kansas State is in Manhattan, and it's at two thirty. So kind of a day game, Manhattan, Manhattan.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna think it's a lot closer than that, and then my gut tells me to take Kansas State, but. Just on paper, I think Texas is just so much better. They should win this game by at least a touchdown. So I'll say Texas wins this game 27-13. Um, kind of in an ugly game. But like you said, Kansas State can't move the ball. Their their offense is anemic. And, you know, poor poor Bill Snyder. Um, just when you start calling him poor Bill Snyder, though, he'll come out and win a game. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping it's uh, before our game. <laughs> he may do it against us if we're not careful. I know, uh, I know.
1: It's getting kind out of the way.
0: Kind of an interesting story I heard on K-State uh, football, though, was that kind of mid-game last week, the uh, Snyder walked over and told their backup QB to go out there, uh, really without consulting the offensive coordinator or uh, Skyler Thompson. So he kind of just stepped over everyone and told the other Kiwi to go out there. And they both started to go out at the same time until they realized that. So, kind of a weird deal. You kind of wonder what's going on in Kansas State. They don't look like the same, you know, well prepared team they have kind of, you know, in most of Snyder's tenure. So, a little interesting things going on in Manhattan. And they really haven't shown much this year uh, of being capable of, you know, beating anyone. So, it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, turn out in their second Big 12 game there. Um,. Next game, kinda of last one before we dive into OSU KU, we've got Iowa State, TCU, really both teams that had, you know, pretty high expectations relatively. TCU obviously was kind of the second highest ranked team, I think, coming into the season. Um, and then Iowa State, who a lot of Iowa State fans thought might have their best year yet. Um, they're they're kinda of stumbling out of the gate at one and two. What's your call there, Brian? Yeah, that that game is
1: in Fort Worth,
0: correct? Yep, hit that TCU. Yeah,
1: I think TCU rolls in this game. I think they're probably pretty embarrassed after last week's performance against Texas. Not that Texas is, you know, a bad team, but they're not a great team, and, and they've kind of been down you know, over the last uh, decade. And so I would say they come out rolling. Um, I, I really don't think Iowa State's that good. There was so much hype on them early in the year, and I couldn't get behind it. They lost uh, Joel Anning, and, and he was kind of the backbone of that team. And, you know, their coach gets a lot of praise for what he's doing up there. And, and show it to me. Yeah, he, he had two big wins last year, and I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he's a probably pretty good coach. But um, too much hype up there. Um, I think they're in for a long year. I think they'll be lucky to get to five wins in Ames. Oh, they did reschedule their game. Uh, they got rained out against Incarnate Word. But uh, I, I – I, yeah, I don't see Iowa State having having a chance in this game.
0: Yeah, and you know what's interesting about the game they scheduled against Incarnate Word is they actually schedule it the same Saturday or the same weekend that the Big Twelve Championship game is on. So <laughs> they're almost uh, they're almost saying they're not going to make the Big Twelve Championship before they even get there. It's kind of a weird deal. I don't know if there's a, a, a contingency there in case they do. Uh, but they might need that game to get bowl eligible if, at this rate. So
1: yeah, way to boost your team's
0: confidence. Right? I know. Yeah, it's kind of a head scratcher. Like I like said there might be a contingency there, but it is it is scheduled on that day. Kind of a weird deal. But I'm also going to go, you know, TCU. I think that th- these are the type of games that TCU just has. You know, more athletes than than Iowa State. Um, Tron Robinson has shown to be a, a good, you know, athletic quarterback and. I think this is the type of game that Turpin really shows out, and I just don't think Iowa State has the, the horses to keep up. So I'll go, uh, you know, like a 42, actually. I think TCU will break out on offense. I think they'll be like a 42 to, you know, 20-type game, um, TCU. I like it. I like it. So kind of moving forward here to uh, OSU's game here and how they recover against KU. Um, a lot of big storylines on OSU side, I think, on just, you know, what, what kind of team r- really are we? You know, we had, you know, two, you know, cupcakes uh, games against South Alabama and Missouri State, you know, looked, you know, hit and miss, but overall pretty decent. Can't really tell much against those games. Boise State really showed out and, you know, beat a top 20 team at the time. Uh, really had a lot of high expectations, but then after last week's stumble, uh, we're kind of headed into a, a game against KU that, you know, KU's not, not the best of, the Big 12, by any means, and is you know likely to finish last in the league. Um, but they do have some athletes that maybe they didn't year ha- you have in years past. So we're not going to totally you know out athlete them at every position. But should win this game handily according to Vegas. So what's your thoughts, Brian?
1: Yeah, I I think it's really OU versus Puka, and um, you know I don't think I don't think a one man team is going to get the job done in Big 12 play. But I would say something to keep an eye on is how do we come out and respond Do we Do we come out sluggish like we have against Kansas in the past? I mean, I can't remember the last time besides, especially on the road. I mean, last year we handled Kansas, Kansas pretty easily, but I can't remember the last time on the road in Kansas that we've come out and just like, you know, taken over the game from the get go. It's been pretty, it's been pretty sloppy for the most part, going back to, I want to say 2011 or 12. Um, of 12, because at home in 11, we we beat them pretty good. So going back to 2012, it's kind of been sloppy up there. Um, you know, like I said, I think we got the athletes to, even with Daniels out and Bundage maybe resting a little more this game, I think we're going to establish a run game. I think this is the game where Gundy seemed pretty upset last week after the game with um, how often we ran the ball and what that looked like. So I think... There's going to be a big initiative to get these guys some confidence up front. We're going to run the ball. We're going to pound it. And we're going to, you know, let uh, Cornelius play more to his strengths, um, you know, maybe some bubble screens, quick slants across the middle of the field against uh, some weaker competition than Texas Tech. And I think, we'll, I think we'll fare pretty well up there, and I think it will be a big rebound game for us. So I'll go Oklahoma State 28. Uh, I'll go Oklahoma State 35, Puka 7.
0: Yeah, no, I like that Um, I I, I do think that we'll You know, probably come out of the gates A little quicker than maybe we have the last few years Against KU Um, Just because these are are different players I mean, I think we kind of take for granted That a lot of these guys really haven't Started much at this level Um, You know we really, like, even on the offensive line, I don't think we have a ton of experience necessarily. A lot of those guys got snaps last year, but they haven't really played every single down. You're backtracking tra- kind of- back on me, Kurt. Beginning, <laughs> of the,
1: beginning of the year, you said they had so much, so much experience, and I was
0: with you. Um, I just wanted to call you out there. <laughs> well, I think that the biggest disappointment on the offensive line is, is some guys that did return that did have you know experience that aren't even start you know starting at this point. I don't know if it's because they're recovering from injuries, uh, but Marcus Keys, you know, who I kind of thought was going to be a, a real big cog at at, uh, at guard, um, really hasn't played as many snaps as as he did last year, even, and really hasn't looked quite the same. So a lot of guys that we kind of expected to make progress, you know, just haven't yet. And I don't know if that's a chemistry thing either, because there's just a lot, a lot of new guys on that line. Um, but you know, going back to the KU game specifically, I think that I think a lot of the, the skill guys that we have, you know, like Tylon Wallace, I think he's going to continue to step up. Um, honestly, I think like a Landon Wolf or even a Dylan Stoner is going to going to get some looks across the middle. Especially after last week with limited success going downfield, I think they're going to try to, you know, mix it up a little bit more. And I don't think our, you know, coaching staff are are that, you know, blind to, to what happened. So even though we weren't able to make adjustments in game last week um, with our kind of offensive game plan, I do think that they'll be, you know, very focused on getting our playmakers balls in, in maybe different ways than we did, you know, in 2017. I think we got so used to, you know, just throwing it downfield and throwing it up to our playmakers and a James Washington or Marcel Aitman going up and getting it. uh, It's just sadly taken the Texas tech loss to realize, Hey, we're not, we can't do that every game anymore. You know, we got to figure out other ways to get the ball. I want to see a lot more, you know, screens off the line, slants, uh, drag routes. I'd like to see them roll Cornelius out um, in both directions a little bit more and and get the running backs the ball, you know, period. I think mean, Justice Hill's gotta touch the ball twenty to twenty five games at least, and then get King the ball a little bit more too. I mean he he barely carried it as well. So I hope they, you know, work the short game a little bit more and and, and less up the deep balls.
1: Do you think we see Drew Brown by halftime?
0: You know, I think that they're gonna they're still kinda riding the uh the company line with uh, Cornelius. So I think that they stick with Cornelius all game, if he plays well, if he struggles at any point, I think that they'll throw Drew Brown out there. Uh, I, I really do. I think that if he goes out and looks kind of iffy and throws a pick or so in the first half, I think I think they might make the switch. I think they'll get him ready to go.
1: Yeah, I think it kind of depends on you know when that interception were to come. But I think the same thing. I think if he just looks bad from the get-go and then throws an interception late in the first half, I can see them... I can see them coming out with Drew Brown in the second half. But, you know, yeah, maybe we have a better quarterback on the bench. Maybe it's Spencer Sanders, and he's not ready. But, it, you know, maybe Drew Brown's the same thing as Cornelius. And the fans don't get to pick when they want to see. <laughs> They're not the ones getting paid to, to make that call, right? Maybe Drew <laughs> Brown is the same exact guy as Cornelius. and Or maybe he's even a little worse, and Gundy knows that. And, you know, fans can say, well, we should at least see it. Well, that's not really your call, to be honest. You can beg for it. Maybe it happens. But, um, you know, I'm going to try to ride with Cornelius another game. I was pretty disappointed last game. Um, But, no, I mean, I don't think he should have any issues against Kansas. And if he does, then, yeah, that's a concern. And and we'll see how Gundy handles it going forward. But I think, like you said, I think he's going to ride with him until – until it just can't happen, I mean until it, if he his hand is forced to to play someone else,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah i don't I think he'll have to you know Cornelius will have to make some mistakes for for to force Gunny's hand, but you know I, we don't have a ton of connections as far as, as uh inside info goes, but we do have you know kind of one source that has you know seen practice you know really every day um and is involved with the program, and he had a couple of just like thoughts on you know Spencer Sanders. Looks like the the best passer of the three. He just doesn't know the offense yet. Um, he's he's still kind of you know learning the pace of the game as well as just picking up on our system. Uh, Drew Brown can make plays. He said he's kind of a playmaker, but he's also a, a fairly short player. I think they had him listed at six foot, but he's kind of said he's probably more like you know five ten and. Um, really doesn't, you know, provide a ton more than what we've seen out of Cornelius, at least in practice. But it's also one of those things kind of going back to, you know, Gundy making a call on a switch. And it's like, you know, Gundy has, you know, going back to Brandon Whedon even, I think Brandon Whedon was not that great in practice. And so they had the Alex Kate starting over him. So some guys are just gamers though. So even though Gundy might call on Cornelius because he trusts him the most and he looks best in practice. You know, some guys once they get in, they they put put their helmet on and go out there in a live game situation. They're just a little bit more gamers than the, than the next guy. So, not saying that is what we have in Drew Brown or even Spencer Sanders, but you know, at some point, if you, you oh, know, we, we have all, it in
1: Spencer, we have in Spencer Sanders. Just wait,
0: <laughs> just wait. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, everything I've heard from camp is there's a lot of. A lot of good, you know, things said about Spencer and his ability to throw the ball and move. Um, I think he just kind of needs to maybe get a little bit bigger, uh, strength-wise, and then just just learn the learn the system because he should be a, a good QB for, for the future. Yeah, and
1: then, yeah. And, and looking and looking at Drew Brown, it's like you realize he won ten games in two years at Hawaii, and they're four and one this year. And last year they won three games at Hawaii. And I know teams change, and Hawaii doesn't have a great program. But if you're a good quarterback, you should make them better. And maybe he did. Maybe they're a one-win team and he's a three-win team, but I highly doubt that. Um, and I just wonder if there was some concern about his job because the quarterback at Hawaii this year is is lighting it up. And, uh, you know, so maybe, maybe Drew Brown isn't as good as he thought he was. Anybody can make their – if you pick the best plays out of your – college career, you could make Dax Garman look like a stud, you know? It's, come on. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, all we've really seen is the highlights from Drew Brown, but, um, I mean, I think he's he could be a good QB in the right system, um, but I'd, I'd be disappointed if we threw him out there and ran the same plays we're running today. So, I think, regardless, the game plan has to change, uh, just with more short routes, more quick you know, slants and screens, because... That's the type of system Drew Brown would be successful in. Uh, you know, he's not going to do any better than Cornelius. I don't, I wouldn't think in a, you know, deep ball type system. So I think regardless, I want to see changes in, in offensive style. And I'll kind of speak for Kyle since he's offline here, but you know, I I think there are a lot of fans and, and, uh, OSU fans out there that want to see Drew Brown and, You know, with the new redshirt rule, kind of going back to McCluskey a little bit, but also just kind of planning for the future, we've got eight games left in the regular season. We could theoretically play Drew Brown for four, um, and then Spencer Sanders for four, and then maybe go back to Cornelius as kind of a, you know, senior offering. (laughs) Thank you in the bowl game. I mean, I could not saying we would do that by any means, but... Um, it, which is just with the new rule, you could theoretically do that, you will play three QBs and then off your yeah. grad transfer in a bowl game.
1: Yeah. I just, that just seems, I mean, I, yeah, that's the, theoretically, you could do something similar to that or play someone three games, someone two games, whatever it may be. But how choppy does that sound? There's no rhythm. To, I mean, I just don't think, I think that'd be a disaster. And yeah, there's, you know, there's nothing to lose probably by throwing Brown out there because he's probably not going to be the starter next year. But at the same time, like, there's little to gain as well. So, uh, or I would think there's little to gain. Um, I mean, that's, that's to be determined. But, you know, I, Cornelius could easily get us to, you know, five, six, and one, and, and we still may not know that much about him. <laughs> Because of the because of the inferior opponents. I mean, we play uh, Kansas, Iowa State, Kansas State. And those are three games that Oklahoma State should win. Um, it's, the,
0: it's the bottom of the league, right? So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like you could play all three of those games, win all three, and look decent. But it's going to be, I think I told you this too, Brian, it could be fool's, fool's gold, you know? I mean, we could oh, still not know nothing. We could still not know anything about this team. Um, absolutely. So, it's, and I'm yeah. kind of a you know, on one hand, a little bit anxious to see how we perform against those you know lower tier opponents, just because you know I'm I'm a little the back of my mind thinking, well, maybe we're maybe we're in the bottom half of the league, you know, after that tag game. So I'm kind of looking for some indications, or you know, maybe we go in there and blow them out or whatever. Because uh, if we don't, I'm, I'm probably leaning towards, you know, maybe a 6-7-1 season, which is drastically different than what we originally predicted coming of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had them at 8 wins, and I still think that's about where they're headed. But, um, you know, Kyle had them at 11-1, and, and and, you know, maybe 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 he's uh,
0: going to turn the tide for us, and he, he knows something we don't. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have a whole lot of cushion any any longer. I think I was at the ten. So yeah, I'm a, I am feel like mine's uh a, a little optimistic at this you're on, point. But, you're running you're a if little you, thin. If you would have asked me this last week at this time though, I would have been, you know, pretty optimistic. I might have been trending towards eleven at that point. Oh, so, that's just college football, you know, it just turns week by week. So that's what makes it exciting. A lot of upsets, you know, going to happen out there. So hopefully we can take care of business against KU.
1: Yeah. Yes, sir.
0: Cool. Well, kind of moving on, I just wanted to mention, you know, OSU uh, Cowgirls Soccer. Uh, think they're 10-1 right now, ranked 15th. Shout really out. looking good. Yeah, big time. I think they got a matchup tomorrow uh, against Texas at home. Number six ranked Texas, a kind of big game in Big 12 play there. Yeah, if you're in
1: Stillwater, get out to the game and support the Cowgirls. Or, yeah, you know, if you can get up there from Tulsa, Oklahoma City, I know they'd like that. They're undefeated at home in their new stadium and uh, hoping to, to keep that going.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, kind of exciting times for Cowgirls soccer. Pretty cool stadium. So any 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 uh, kind of final thoughts, Brian, on the game or OSU sports in general?
1: No, I don't think any – have any new um recruiting news on the back Trevious jones um i saw his body transformation on twitter and he he's done some work for like over the past four months i, I think he's dropped well over 40 pounds and uh, i mean yeah i think he's gonna be a big contributor for us this year he's he looks the part and uh, i think boyton has a lot of confidence in him i i saw um just a little tidbit on on him about Catrivas and his his dedication to the program and getting in shape and uh, you know what he expects from him this year.
0: Yeah, no, I saw that as well. I think that Hill Jones will be a, a big factor really for the success of this team. He's you know we don't have a whole lot of experienced big men right now, uh, but he's got that big body. Obviously, losing some weight to get a little thinner and, and leaner out there to, to move up and down the court, but still a big big dude and. Uh, You know, really excited to see how he kind of moves around and handles the paint against other big men. But also, he's just got a soft touch. If you go and uh, check out his highlights at all, he's got, you know, a very soft touch for a big guy. And I think he could be a a pretty good offensive weapon for us. So excited to see the Cowboy uh, basketball kind of gear up here and, um, you know, homecoming and hoops. Uh, but as well as you know, kicking off the exhibitions there probably late late October, so should be kind of cool. I, I, I like the time of the year. It's one of my favorite time of the years when you know cowboy basketball is about to kick off, and you know football's in full swing. So, yeah, it's a fun time. Uh, <laughs> last year,
1: last note, um, kind of um, kind of on our bad list, uh, Michael Weathers. What what's What's the uh, verdict on him thus far? I know that he had been indefinitely suspended. And, you know, my opinion is get him off the team, get him out of there. Um, I don't want a thief on our team. Um, that's kind of strong. But, uh, you know, maybe more details need to come out. That, that may have been, you know, a little, <laughs> a little rash there. But um, that's just, you know, I have a pretty pretty low tolerance for things like that. I don't, I don't think they could be a good teammate if they're doing things like that.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, I think that you know, definitely very poor choice. Um, I feel, I believe the story. I kind of read the police report, but basically, you know, took a, a girl's wallet or, or, or card and, and spent spent some uh, drinks on her card, made some charges, and then kind of denied it. Essentially, um, seemed pretty drunk from the the report <laughs> as well. Um, I don't even know if he's of age. I assume he is. Otherwise, he might be in you know even more trouble. But I assume he's of age. Um, but you know, made some comments that didn't really make him look like a a super smart guy. I think the the biggest issue, from what I've been told, is that he didn't even let the uh, the coaching staff know that he got he got arrested. So he was that kind of kind of acted for a day or two as if you know everything was normal, um, and didn't let anyone know in advance. So kind of not a great deal there. I think Boyne's kind of in a wait and see mode uh, right now. It's filed down. I think it's as a as a felony just because it's another you know fraudulent yeah. card use. If that gets knocked down to misdemeanor, I could see, you know, suspending him for, you know, five, ten games. Uh, not saying I agree or not agree with that necessarily, but I could see that being a route Boynton may take. Um, Man. I think I, ultimately I, I would like to see, the you know, the team decide. I would like, you know, everyone to kind of, you know, one, he needs to probably apologize to the team, and ultimately the team needs to, you know, they're going to be playing alongside of them and traveling with them. So should be a, – a, a, a conversation they need to have you know pretty openly about man
1: i that's that's given a lot of uh a lot of responsibility in the hands of 18 19 20 year old kids if, the, if they're gonna have a, a say so on it i i disagree with that i think uh we were just talking about how we don't want um some of the players speaking to the media because they they don't have the maturity to to necessarily say what needs to be said so, um, but anyway, that's, that's a different discussion. Just, you know, I, I hope Boyden does the right thing. He has a clean record here so far, and, and he came into a tough situation um, from the get-go, having to get rid of one of his uh, assistants. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to see him continue to, to run the program that way, and I think he can do that and be successful. So,
0: yeah, you know. Yeah, I think that, I mean, really what I'm saying with the players is they need to be involved in the discussion and not just the coach at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. cause they're, they're gonna be the ones that are gonna have to trust him on the court and off. Uh, obviously it's gotta be the coach's call at the end of the day, whether he's staying or going, but they, they can't be a, a decision made in the silo, cause those, those guys are gonna be playing with him. If he does elect to stay and maybe get suspended some games, they're gonna be the ones right next, next to him. But it, it is curious that, um, you know, nothing's been decided now. It's indefinite suspension, so, he didn't do that with Dawson, and he didn't do that with Dillard. When, when they got in some issues last year, they were just immediately cut. That kind of makes me think that there's a chance he, he sticks around. Um, so I don't know how it'll play out, but it, it is kind of a little bit different than how he handled Dillard and, and Dawson last year. Up until this point, you know, Boynton seems like he's been pretty tough, though. So it's kind of an interesting deal if he does, does let him stick around.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll just have to watch that fallout and, you know, Hopefully, no more bad news this week. Let's get through Kansas, um, and then look forward to playing Iowa State next week. But let, let's uh, beat the Jayhawks this week.
0: Yeah, should be a good game. Beat the Jayhawks. Um, really looking forward to see how we come out. Well, that that's yeah. it. We have for today. Um, unless if you had anything to add, Brian. Um, we're gonna kinda wrap it up here on the podcast. Definitely reach out to us on Twitter if you have any questions, or you know DM us for for any you know info you'd like to hear about on on OSU Sports. Twitter is at Cowboy State One. You know, really interested to see how we come out this weekend, and, and excited to see the Cowboys go out and get the win. With that, that's all we got. Go Pokes! Go Pokes! Wow.
1: slip on down